We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 759 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, February 9th. 2024 and the likes of uh, Tyus Jones and DeLon Wright and Kyle Kuzma are all still on the Wizards, our tanking and rebuilding Wizards. Uh, They on Thursday, what was 2024 NBA trade deadline day, made just one trade. Uh, They dealt 6'10 Daniel Gafford to the Dallas Mavericks for a 2024 first round pick and 6'9 Rashawn Holmes. A surprising lack of trades by the Wizards on Thursday. I'll get to why and react to Gafford being traded later in the show. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We have Commander's coaching staff news. A whole lot of Commander's coaching staff news. We on Thursday night had multiple reports that the team is retaining quarterbacks coach Tavita Pritchard, who is said to have impressed head coach Dan Quinn and offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury in an interview. Uh, And we, during the day on Thursday, had multiple reports of two guys coming on board to Dan Quinn's commander's coaching staff, former Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and Las Vegas Raiders defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator Jason Simmons. Johnson will have a role on the offensive portion of the coaching staff, and Simmons will have the same job title that he had with the Raiders, defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator. Uh, These hires do appear to be good hires. Our next segment will explain why, and we'll address the major report from the Washington Post on Thursday afternoon, Uh, the report filled with anonymous quotes from Commander's players about fired Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Old EB got ripped by Commander's players. Uh, And then a terrific guest, USC football insider Ryan Abraham. He is the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com, and he's going to give us insight on Cliff Kingsbury and the QB1 (laughs) with whom Kingsbury worked as USC senior offensive analyst this past college football season. Caleb Williams, the product of Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., the presumed number one 
overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, in which, as you may have heard, the Commanders have the number two overall pick. Ryan Abraham is going to give us the reality about Caleb Williams. Was his 2023 season worse than his 2022 season, as so many say? What about Caleb the guy, the person, the painting of the nails, the crying in his mother's arms. What should we make of all of that? Ryan Abraham knows, and he is going to tell us. Are the commanders on the verge of trading up from the number two overall pick to the number one overall pick in order to take Caleb Williams? Should the commanders do that? Great insight on Caleb and on Cliff Kingsbury's role at USC this past season is coming up via Ryan Abraham. I do want to make this point, though, about Cliff Kingsbury. The commanders hiring him as offensive coordinator is not necessarily an indication that they are all in on trying to trade up to number one to take Caleb Williams. Cliff Kingsbury liking the presumed numbers of two and three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. North Carolina's Drake May and LSU's Jaden Daniels is very plausible. Cliff is a disciple and purveyor of the air raid offense. That was the offense that May and also his predecessor is UNC QB1. The commander Sam Howell ran and Cliff has done some really good work with mobile quarterbacks. So him really liking Jaden and Daniels is entirely possible. In fact, take a listen to the following. This was NFL draft analyst Todd McShay on the Ryan Rossillo podcast on an episode that came out this past Monday. I mean, that really will be the, the big discussion over the next couple of months. You know, in the next three months, really, February, March, April. That that's what we what Chicago is is looking at, and Washington. Listen, just because they brought in Cliff doesn't mean the only guy he can coach is is Caleb. Yeah, that's insane. But, like, I'm glad you finally said it because I was going to bring yeah, it in. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. well, maybe this means the Commanders are looking like. Well, I mean, sure, maybe they could if there's. But a price, but here's but the I, thing: if now and now Caleb didn't have necessarily his he didn't have his best year with Cliff there. You know this this past year. But if he loves Cliff, is there like quarterbacks like Caleb coming out are the only ones that have kind of any power we saw with Eli Manning, you know, we've seen a few times in the past, people go back to like Elway and all that, like, it's the only time you in the NFL that you coming out in the draft that you have any kind of power is if you're one of these elite, elite quarterbacks. And so if Caleb really does want to be with Cliff. He can put up a stink and make it uncomfortable for Chicago. Where do they get to the point like, you know what? Fuck them. We're going to move out of number one. We're going to go to two. We're going to get a bunch of draft picks. We're going to get a guy that wants to be here, that we love, that we believe in. And we'll let Washington move up and go get that pick. So that's the only twist I could see is if Caleb decides to make this real uncomfortable for Chicago over the next few months. And that's why this hire makes it interesting, right? Like Cliff comes in. And does Caleb want to be with him that much? And yes, like Caleb played at Gonzaga and I played with a bunch of guys from Gonzaga in, in college. And like, it's a big, you know, prep school and um, a big college football factory in, in DC. And, and he knows the area and from there, like all that stuff. But that's not why you draft a guy. And that's not, that's not the whole thing. It's does he want to be with Cliff that badly? 
How about that? Some love from Todd McShay for Gonzaga College High School. So much to be thinking about with the Commanders having the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft. The Commanders hiring Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator has increased the intrigue. And uh, we coming up on the show are going to get tremendous insight on Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams, courtesy of Ryan Abraham. Also on the show, I will talk Capitals. Another loss for the Caps. 4-2 at the Florida Panthers on Thursday night. The Caps now are in the midst of a six-game losing streak, their longest losing streak of this NHL regular season. Thursday was the NBA trade deadline. The NHL trade deadline now is less than a month away. Friday, March 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern, and the Caps more and more are looking like they need to sell and sell hard. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. From Chris Moore on X regarding me on Thursday's show, episode 758, saying that Cliff Kingsbury is the first offensive coordinator in franchise history who was previously an NFL head coach. Writes Chris, regarding OCs who were head coaches, does Dan Henning's second stint count? Uh, thank you for that, Chris. Excellent question. So Dan Henning had two stints with the Redskins, January 1981 through January 1983 and January 1987 to February 1989. He, after each stint, was a head coach. He was the Atlanta Falcons head coach for the 1983 through 1986 seasons, and he was the San Diego Chargers head coach for the 1989 through 1991 seasons. The thing though with Dan Henning is his official titles with the Skins were never offensive coordinator. Uh, His official title for the 1981 and 1982 seasons was assistant head coach. His official title for the 1987 and 1988 seasons was offensive assistant slash receivers coach. He is referred to as offensive coordinator in some things that you look at, but I think that that's a generalization because I'm going off official Skins media guides. So this is coming directly from the team. Dan Henning is a tricky one. Also, when you consider that he was a rehire. So even if his title had been offensive coordinator, uh, do we count that given that he was originally with the team before being an NFL head coach? Uh, Also, Stag on X brought up Rod Dauhauer. Uh, So Rod Dauhauer was with the Skins for four seasons, 1990 through 1993. He was the Skins quarterbacks and passing game coach for the 1990 and 1991 seasons. He was the Skins quarterbacks coach for the 1992 season and was the Skins offensive coordinator for the 1993 season, a season that uh, did not go so well. (laughs) Uh, And Dauhauer was the Indianapolis Colts head coach from January 1985 to December 1986. So Rod Dauhauer was a former NFL head coach hired by the Skins, but not as an offensive coordinator. He went from quarterbacks and passing game coach to then just quarterbacks coach to then offensive coordinator. So I'm not sure how we should count Rod Dauhauer, but thank you to Stag uh, for bringing up Rod Dauhauer. I, on X, have received multiple messages regarding something that I do believe is new. The NFL covering up the Skins Classic logo 
of the proud Native American warrior on helmets. Uh, And an example of this is the following. The NFL's official account on X, at NFL, uh, that account 34.8 million followers. (laughs) Uh, This past Tuesday, February 6th, put out a bunch of posts honoring past Super Bowls. Uh, One of the posts was about Super Bowl 17, January 30th, 1983, the Skins' 27-17 win over the Miami Dolphins at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. The post includes, I guess, what you would call a collage In the collage is a photo of the MVP of Super Bowl XVII, the greatest running back in Skins history, John Riggins, and strategically placed over his helmet, covering up the Skins logo of the proud Native American warrior, is some sort of combo red-purple rectangle. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to make out exactly what that is, but the point is that the logo on Riggo's helmet is is covered up. There's also this, the post from at NFL from this past Tuesday for Super Bowl 18, January 22nd, 1984, the Skins' 38-9 loss to the Los Angeles Raiders at Tampa Stadium in Tampa, Florida. That post has a photo of a Skins defensive player with the Skins logo on his helmet brightened to where you cannot make out the logo at all. This clearly is the NFL censoring that classic Skins logo of the proud Native American warrior. And I'm bringing this up not to rehash the Redskins name debate, okay? But this is new, is it not? And I'm asking you that, okay? I'm legitimately asking that question. This is new, is it not? I don't recall the NFL previously actually censoring the Skins logo of the proud Native American warrior. I could be wrong. That's why I'm asking you if you've seen this previously. I do not recall having seen this previously. This does appear to be a new frontier for the NFL with the former name of our team. And speaking of the name, I've been wanting to bring this up this week, so let me bring this up now. Uh, Something from the introductory press conference for Commander's head coach Dan Quinn this past Monday afternoon that stood out to me and perhaps stood out to you. The frequency with which Commander's managing partner Josh Harris said Washington football or Washington instead of Commander's. It was as if Josh was making it a point not to say Commander's. I want you to take a listen to Josh's opening statement. And what I'm going to do is play... The following bell, the following ding, (laughs) every time Josh says Washington football or Washington instead of commanders. Here is the bell. Here is the ding. All right, that is the bell. That is the obscenely expensive bell slash ding (laughs) that we use on this podcast only for instances like this one. So here we go. Josh Harris, while seated next to Dan Quinn and Commander's General Manager Adam Peters. Okay, so this is more like it. I've got two guys sitting next to me here. Um, So good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here today. Uh, It's an incredible day for Washington football. Uh, I'd like to start first by thanking uh, my partners, 
Mitch, Mark, uh, Irvin Johnson, David Blitzer, and the rest of the ownership group for uh, supporting me. And also uh, Rick Spielman and Bob Myers. Uh, they were incredible during the process. So thanks, thanks you all for the help. Um, <clears throat> today, when, we, when Adam and I were last here, we told you we were going to go find the best leader for Washington football. Someone that we felt would lead Washington to be an elite franchise. And Dan, I'm so excited <laughs> that we're here together. <clears throat> uh, and welcome to Washington. And so, after a thorough process, we'd love to introduce you to the city here. Um, Stacy, welcome to Washington. And on behalf of the city and the DMV, thank you both for choosing uh, to be on this mission with us in support of the city. So Dan, you've gotten down to work quickly. All I know is, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we got all together Friday and then uh, over the weekend, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, an incredible offensive coordinator, and Joe Witt. <clears throat> incredible defense of mine uh, have joined our franchise and obviously we're very excited about those two individuals I'll let Dan uh, describe them but that's what it takes <clears throat> it takes being able to attract the best people uh, to create a unit to create a culture to create a system to create a team where you can then recruit uh, the best players on the field. You get When you get the best off the field, when you get the best team off the field, you get the best team on the field. On behalf of Commanders fans, I am thrilled to welcome you, Dan, Stacy, uh, Joe, and Cliff to the city of Washington. And fans, <clears throat> with your support, the future of Washington football is bright. Thank you for uh, your support. It's because of you all that everyone is here. Now I'll turn it over to Adam. All right. <laughs> now, come on. I mean, come on. Yes, Josh Harris late in that statement did use the phrase, quote, commanders fans, end quote. But we in that statement got a mere one instance of Josh saying commanders versus six instances of him saying Washington football or Washington. You gotta wonder if that was strategic. You gotta wonder if Josh did that on purpose, knowing how much people hate the name Commanders. And you gotta wonder if this was Josh perhaps planting the seeds of ultimately changing the name to something with Washington. I mean, how do you not think about these things of Josh over and over and over again saying Washington football or Washington instead of commanders. A whole lot of dings in that cut that I just played for you. If you took a shot every time I played a ding, uh, you'd be passed out by now. Uh, Email from Rabbi Eric Fussfield in Washington, D.C. regarding Monday's show having been episode 755 of this podcast, writes the great rabbi, allow me to add to the congratulations that you have received for equaling and surpassing Hank Aaron's home run total with your podcast episodes, but you paid him a poignant tribute by airing episode 755 on Aaron's 90th birthday, February 5th. A salute to the skies for the hammer. Keep up. 
the great work. Well, thank you very much for that, Rabbi. I did not realize that until I read Rabbi Eric's email. Monday's show was episode 755. Hank Aaron, in his legendary Major League career, hit 755 regular season home runs, and Monday would have been hammering Hank's 90th birthday. What were the odds of that? (laughs) Uh, That is amazing. Almost as amazing as the amazing law firm of Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and the U.S. government and won two verdicts versus Merrill Dow, totaling $132 million. Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace with a case for which the U.S. government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. All right, before we get to our guest, USC football insider Ryan Abraham, the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com, to talk about the commander's new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury, and his work with quarterback Caleb Williams as USC senior offensive analyst for the 2023 season and what the commanders would be getting in Caleb if they came out of the 2024 NFL draft with him. Uh, I do want to hit on some commander's news items from Thursday. So the coaching staff of new commander's head coach Dan Quinn is taking form. We already had the offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury and the defensive coordinator Joe Witt Jr. And we on Thursday morning had multiple reports that the commanders are hiring former Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. Uh, His exact job title was not yet known, but ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler in a post on X on Thursday morning said that Johnson is being hired for, quote, a prominent offensive staff role, end quote. And then we on Thursday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders are hiring Las Vegas Raiders defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator Jason Simmons for the same job title 
with the Commanders. Uh, I like both of these hires. Let's start with Brian Johnson. He was an offensive assistant for the Eagles from January 2021 until just last month. He was the Eagles quarterbacks coach from January 2021 to February 2023 and was the Eagles offensive coordinator February 2023 until last month. Uh, Brian Johnson was a big-time force in the development of Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, Now, it is true (laughs) that the Eagles collapsed this season. Uh, They, in the regular season, went from 10-1 to 11-6 and then got smashed at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 32-9 on January 15th in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. But the Eagles for the 2023 regular season, even with the collapse, finished number 10 in the NFL in total offense per DVOA. Uh, They were number 29 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. The Eagles' offense is not blameless in their collapse this season. I want to make that clear. But the defense was the bigger problem. And to me, the big takeaway with Brian Johnson is his track record of developing quarterbacks. Johnson was an offensive assistant for the University of Florida for the 2018 through 2020 seasons. He was Florida's quarterbacks coach for the 2018 and 2019 seasons. He was Florida's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the 2020 season in which the Gators QB1, Kyle Trask, had a monster season, had an FBS best 43 touchdown passes, and was number two in the FBS in passing yards with 4,283. Brian Johnson was Mississippi State's quarterbacks coach for the 2014 through 2016 seasons, so he was Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott's quarterbacks coach for his final two collegiate seasons, 2014 and 2015. Uh, Also, you think about Brian Johnson, he, like Dan Quinn, like Joe Witt Jr., spent at least most of this 2023 season working for an NFC East rival of the Commanders. So some NFC East intel for our commanders is being obtained uh, with the formation of this coaching staff. Uh, Jason Simmons, he was the Raiders defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator from February 2022 until just now. Uh, He was the Carolina Panthers defensive passing game coordinator and secondary coach from January 2020 to February 2022. He was an assistant for the Green Bay Packers for the 2011 through 2019 seasons. Joe Witt Jr. was with the Packers for the 2008 through 2018 season. So there is major history between Witt and Simmons. So you take a step back. Cliff Kingsbury and Brian Johnson have impressive track records of developing quarterbacks. Joe Witt Jr. and Jason Simmons have impressive track records of developing defensive backs. Washington has been bad at player development for years. That now may be changing. That hopefully is changing. And it sure would seem that player development is a big-time emphasis with this coaching staff that Dan Quinn is putting together. I mean, you think about this revamping of Commander's football operations. The hope is that the new general manager, Adam Peters, picks players at a high level and that the new head coach, Dan Quinn, and his staff develop and deploy players at 
a high level. Uh, by the way, update on the commanders uh, taking from the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys insider Todd Archer of ESPN, he on Thursday morning on X reported that the commanders put in a request to interview Cowboys defensive backs coach Al Harris, but were denied. Uh, so that, per reports now, is two commanders' requests to interview Cowboys assistants that have been denied. NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com, he in a post on X on Wednesday afternoon reported that the commanders had put in a request to interview Cowboys tight ends coach Lunda Wells for the commanders' offensive line coaching job, but that that request was denied. Archer, though, on Thursday morning did say that the commanders were given permission from the Cowboys to speak with two other assistants, quality control and assistant defensive line coach Sharif Floyd and quality control and defensive assistant Pete O'Negan. Uh, so, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has become commander's head coach. Cowboys secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator Joe Witt Jr. has become commander's defensive coordinator. And we'll see about Sharif Floyd and Pete O'Negan. Uh, also on Thursday <laughs> was the continuing of a tradition. And it is a tradition that is only in effect when our football team has a bad season. And the tradition is the expose article from the Washington Post. If you have been a Washington fan for any substantial length of time, you probably know that when the team has a bad season, what ends up being the case is that the Washington Post, toward the end of the season, or not long after the end of the season, comes out with an article <laughs> with anonymous quotes and new intel, adding detail to the dysfunction of the most recent season. Well, we on Thursday afternoon got such an article regarding now former Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Uh, it was on Monday afternoon that Dan Quinn, during his introductory press conference as Commander's head coach, essentially said that the team had fired Bieniemy. Although Quinn was very complimentary of Bieniemy. Well, Commander's insiders Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier of the Washington Post they co-authored a piece that came out on Thursday afternoon. Headline quote: Eric Bieniemy lasted one season with the Commanders. Here's what went wrong. And quote. Uh, the piece detailed player frustration with the enemy. I'll read to you the juiciest portions of the piece. Quote, in the locker room, signs of frustration were evident throughout the season. After Washington's last game, a blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys, tight end Logan Thomas was as direct as any player had been about the simmering tensions between Biennemi and his players. I might be the only one to say it, but I think we had our ups and downs with Biennemi, Thomas said. We had some good, we had some bad. It's one of those things where something new comes in after you've been used to something else for a couple years, and sometimes you can bang heads. But I respect him for coming to work every day and being the same person every day. Other players who were granted anonymity to speak candidly about internal team dynamics described the enemy as a hardworking coach who hamstrung his own efforts with poor communication, stubborn play calling, and a disregard for player feedback. The enemy did not respond to a request for comment. End quote. And later in the piece, quote, multiple people said there was often confusion on game days because offensive adjustments were not clearly communicated to players and assistants didn't seem to be on the same page. 
Behind the scenes, some players urged their position coaches to beg the enemy to run the ball more. The pass-heavy attack placed an extra burden on the offensive line and the quarterback. And when Washington's offense did run, it averaged the seventh most yards per carry in the NFL, 4.43 yards. I don't think they gave Howell a fair chance, a player said. I felt like we became a one-dimensional team. Another player blamed Rivera for not forcing the enemy to run the ball more or fixing the disconnect between the offensive and defensive staffs. We didn't play complimentary football all year long, and that came back to haunt us, the player said. Some players felt the enemy's intense practices, though helpful in training camp, left them exhausted before games, and they believed the practices created a greater risk of injury. The enemy's title of assistant head coach gave him greater authority than most coordinators, allowing him to script practices and alter players' schedules during the week. One player felt Rivera delegated too much and failed to step in or make changes quickly when warranted. It was EB's effing team, another said, end quote. <laughs> uh, boy, it has become clear and clear that uh, Eric Bieniemy's one season as commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator uh, just did not work out. Uh, the QB1 who was propped up as the centerpiece of the season, Sam Howell, he got worse as the season went on. The overall numbers for the offense ended up being really bad. The commanders for the 2023 regular season were number 26 out of 32 NFL teams in total offense per DVOA as Washington for a sixth consecutive regular season had one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And Commander's players clearly were not big fans of the enemy. Now, to that last point, I got to tell you, I have mixed feelings about Commander's players not being big fans of Eric Bieniemy. On the one hand, I don't doubt that the players have some valid points. But on the other hand, you know, we just went through this. As you may recall, we on January 7th, 2023, had a major report from Sam Fortier with the headline, quote, Commander's players are frustrated with offensive play calling, end quote. That piece was about Commander's players being frustrated with the team's soon-to-be-fired offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. And that report included an on-the-record quote, from Logan Thomas. Uh, also included this, quote, nine other commanders who spoke on the condition of anonymity to be candid about a coach expressed frustration with the play calling, end quote. So commanders players in the 2022 season were unhappy with Scott Turner. Commanders players in the 2023 season were unhappy with Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> what is the common denominator here? You know, maybe commander's players are the problem, or at least a big part of the problem. I mean, Logan Thomas complained about Scott Turner, complained about Eric Bieniemy. You know, Logan has done very little since his really good 2020 season. Maybe he should worry about actually catching passes, okay, <laughs> and making plays and staying healthy rather than complaining about the team's offensive coordinator every year. And I'm not saying that Eric Bieniemy this season did some bang-up job. You can't say that Bieniemy this season did some bang-up job based on what we saw. But at some point, these players need to look at themselves and instead of being so willing to blame others, maybe should blame 
themselves. Remember, we in August had the to-do of Commander's players having told the uh, then-head coach of the team, Ron Rivera, that they were concerned about the coaching style of Eric Bieniemy. He was coaching the players too hard. And I got to tell you, man, that was not a good look for these Commander's players, okay? Whoever they were. We don't know who they were, but whoever they were, to me, they came off soft and whining and complaining like that, given the extreme lack of production and success from these players. Again, this season, a sixth consecutive season of bad offense for Washington. But hopefully, better days, much better days, are ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast saying that you like it. Uh, the review does not have to be long. It could be just a sentence or two, but these reviews, uh, they help out the podcast a lot. So thank you for doing them. Uh, the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders have uh, plenty of history with the University of Southern California, with USC Trojans football, a key running back from the Skins' 1991 Super Bowl championship team, Ricky Urbans. He went to USC. Uh, Washington's defensive coordinator from January 2020 until the Friday after <laughs> this past Thanksgiving, Jack Del Rio went to USC. Uh, two of the more, shall we say, interesting players in Skins history, tight end Fred Davis and linebacker slash safety Sua Cravens went to USC, and the commander's new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. He spent the 2023 season as a senior offensive analyst for USC, working with quarterback Caleb Williams, who went to Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., and who is the presumed number one overall pick 
in the 2024 NFL Draft, in which the Commanders have the number two overall pick. A lot has been said and written about USC's offense this past season. A lot has been said and written about whether the Commanders hiring Cliff Kingsbury means that they're going to trade up to take Caleb Williams. And a lot has been said and written about what kind of a guy Caleb is. And so instead of speculating and wondering, let us get the truth about Cliff Kingsbury, Caleb Williams, and USC's offense for the 2023 season. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, USC football insider, Ryan Abraham. He is the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. He is the host of the Hairstyle Podcast, which is a podcast about USC sports, especially football. You can follow Ryan on X at Inside Troy. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm doing all right. It's funny you mentioned Ricky Irvins. That was my uh, freshman year when I went to USC. He was the running back, and they won the Rose Bowl uh, back in the 1989 season. So, but I think I interviewed him like a couple of years ago, too, see what he's doing. But yeah, he was a great Trojan back in the day. Yeah, a lot of good memories with Ricky Irvins with the Skins. Uh, not a lot of great memories with our football team over the last 31 years, but uh, that's another conversation. <laughs> uh, before we get into the specifics of Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams, I think that it's important to establish this. What is the right way of viewing USC's offense for this past season? Because people say that the offense was not what it should have been. And yes, USC in the 2023 season went just 8-5 and five as compared to 11-3 and three in the 2022 season. But the advanced stats say that USC's 2023 offense was quite good. Uh, USC for the 2023 season, it was number five in the FBS in offensive efficiency per ESPN and was number three in the FBS in offensive efficiency per SPS Plus, which is the metric developed by ESPN's Bill Connolly. So what was the deal with USC's 2023 offense? Was it disappointing, better than people think, overrated, underrated? What say you? No, I think the team did not perform to the level that they needed to. And I think the offense was actually fairly similar from 2022, Lincoln Riley's first year with Caleb Williams at USC, at 2023, now not having Jordan Addison, who's been you know, tearing it up in the NFL with the uh, with Minnesota, I think that was probably a big part of it. Travis Dye, the running back, that veteran presence there. But I feel like overall, this, if you look at the numbers that they were able to put up, they still put up a lot of numbers. Caleb Williams was still a special quarterback like usual. But the defense was even worse than what they, you know, anticipated it was supposed to, you know, going to be. It was bad in 2022, like historically bad for USC. They couldn't stop anybody, especially at the end of the season. And then the the schedule was kind of soft in the beginning, and they were giving up a bunch of points to not very good teams. They start off six and zero, and then lose five of the last six. So when they played anyone really with a pulse, they were just scoring at will. Like Washington, you know, throwing all the, you know, throw the ball over the the yard with Michael Penix. They they ran for like 250 yards against USC. So people were doing kind of abnormal things for that wasn't you know normal for their offense against uh, USC's defense. And I think that put a lot of pressure, even more pressure than the year before on USC's offense. So I still think the offense was fine. It wasn't the offense certainly wasn't USC's problem. They just couldn't get any stops, and they played a tougher schedule. And I think that's why the the team looked worse. And then I think a lot of people felt like, hey, Caleb Williams wasn't doing enough. 
he was doing pretty much everything he could. It just the t- I think you know the, the defense really failed him last year. Uh, the coaching setup for USC in terms of its offense for this past season was Lincoln Riley as the head coach, Josh Henson as the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, and Cliff Kingsbury as the senior offensive analyst. Do you have a sense of how much of a role Kingsbury played in USC's offense for this past season? It's a little tough because we don't get to talk to guys like Kingsbury. We can talk to Josh Henson, but you know Lincoln Riley was running the offense. So Henson's like offensive coordinator in name, and he helps with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But this was really still Lincoln Riley's offense. He's calling all the plays. They had a couple like grad assistants and analysts the, in 2022 that were really working directly with Caleb Williams, working with the quarterbacks. They both moved on. And so they needed someone to work directly with Caleb Williams, a lot of behind the scenes. I think that was Cliff Cliff Kingsbury's main job. And you're you're taking this Heisman Trophy trophy winning quarterback. He needs some voice in the room because Lincoln Riley can't talk to him all the time. He's got to run the offense and the entire team, obviously, as the head coach. So I think that was the main role for Cliff Kingsbury to kind of help him out. I, I think a lot of it was just the pressure that Caleb Williams felt throughout the season that he felt like he had to score every time he touched the ball just because the defense was just giving up drive after drive. So I think that was kind of, you know, a lot of it's, you know, some of the, he could work with techniques and all that. Um, and, you know, any kind of quarterback stuff that you want to talk about. But I think a lot of it was sort of being like on the mental side, trying to keep him grounded, knowing that hey, you can't do everything by yourself. Uh, and they, I think, I think I was really hoping he wouldn't have to, last season and it ended up being there was a lot more pressure on him than even before so I think you know being in Caleb Williams ear the entire season working with him um you know when Lincoln Riley can't be around there I think that was kind of his his main role and I, I, I'm sure that you know he bounced some ideas uh, off of Lincoln Riley for the offense and things they could do self-scouting where you know this is what I'm seeing from what you're doing, maybe you want to try this. So I think a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but we didn't really get to ever talk to him. So it was, uh, it was all kind of like figuring out from sources like what he was actually doing. Did Lincoln Riley and or Caleb Williams this past season talk much about Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, that we, we heard some from that. Not as much from Lincoln Riley, but we heard from Caleb Williams. We heard Miller Moss, who ended up starting the Holiday Bowl uh, when Caleb Williams sat out. Uh, they all had high praise for what Clint, Cliff Kingsbury was doing to the, the quarterback room. Just, I mean, having someone like that where maybe you have some grad assistant that's working with you and helping you go through the cone drills or whatever when you're warming up versus someone that's been an NFL head coach and a college head coach and coached guys like, uh, you know, Baker, you know, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and, you know, and, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's a whole different story. So I think the quarterbacks themselves all enjoyed having someone like Cliff Kingsbury just because of the experience he brings and the kind of players he's already worked with. So whenever we talked to them about that, yeah, it was high praise, but it was just still never getting like super deep into uh, what his major roles were. So Caleb Williams, he played college football for three seasons, played for Oklahoma in his 2021 freshman season as Lincoln Riley was Oklahoma's head coach at the time. And then Caleb joined Lincoln in going to USC. There's a narrative that Caleb's 2022 season was better than his 2023 season for USC. But 
the numbers actually don't bear that out. Statistically speaking, there really isn't that much of a difference between the two seasons other than touchdown passes, 42 in the 2022 season, 30 in the 2023 season. But total QBR per ESPN, 86.5 for the 2022 season, 82.3 for the 2023 season. And Caleb's yards per pass attempt and completion percentage were better in the 2023 season than those stats were in the 2022 season. How would you assess Caleb's 2022 season versus his 2023 season? I think it's pretty similar. I mean, he still does absolutely special things uh, out on the field. I think not having Jordan Addison as a number one guy, uh, I think that was something that, you know, that hurt them a little bit. And And the offensive line really took a step back I thought they wouldn't be as good in 2022, but they had some veteran leadership there, and uh, they, they, you know, they filled it in pretty well through the transfer portal, and it worked. You know, they had a good line. It, it started to break down at the end of the season with injuries, but it was working, and they still had some veterans there, and they, they added some transfers, but it just didn't click the same way. So I think there was a lot more pressure on Caleb Williams. A lot of his numbers are going to be when he's under pressure, just because he was under pressure uh, quite a bit. It, you know, I guess it does give him some of the film that'll be out there on him. You'll see what he's able to do when things sort of break down. And it's not, he's not always taking off and running. He would do that sometimes, but it's really avoiding the rush. Sacks that look like it's a sure sack, he's able to kind of get away. And then, you know, if you want to scramble and pick up a few yards and, and avoid the sack and avoid a negative play, or keeping your eyes downfield and, and, and making a big play, that happened quite a bit. And we saw similar stuff when Sam Darnold was at USC where he was just kind of running for his life a lot, but still able to kind of keep his wits about him and find something downfield. I think that's something Caleb Williams really excels at is keeping the play alive, keeping things going. If anything, you know, maybe he would improvise too much. Like there was one of those things where it's just break, things broke down so much that he was improvising quite a bit. Um, but I feel like that was just sort of like the, the environment he was in, but he can do that. And you know, some of this, the comps with Patrick Mahomes because of the arm angles and things. He could do some things like that. I mean, he's obviously a different quarterback, but just the, the, the kind of Houdini stuff where you're just like, wow, where did that come from? Uh, that's kind of what he was excelling at. And I think he did it both in 2022 and 2023 at USC. We're talking Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams with USC Football Insider Ryan Abraham, the owner and publisher of USCFootball.com. You know USC Football very well. When you think about Caleb Williams in comparison to the other great USC quarterbacks of the last, say, 25 years, Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, was Caleb the best? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, if you didn't win, uh, you know, national championship like Matt Leinart and have that kind of, uh, you know, the, the record that he had. But, I mean, I, I've talked to Matt Leinart about it. And, and you know, I I think everyone I've talked to feels that he's the best quarterback we've seen at USC. I think the most gifted, and I think the other quarterbacks would definitely concede that. You know, maybe Leinart wouldn't say he's the best because, you know, the record that Leinart had and championships and all that. But as far as, like, what, you know, Leinart had a lot of different stuff around him. It was a much different situation. Uh, the fact that he won a Heisman, you know, you puts puts you in that category. But from what I've seen, the guys that I've seen, you know, I've seen Carson Palmer and all that, and, uh, it, it just seems like he had everything uh, that you could ask for. And if it was a different situation, different kind of team, no reason why 
he wouldn't be able to have championships and stuff like some of those other guys too. But yeah, to me, most gifted, the best quarterback I'd seen uh, at USC. So he just he just brought something different to the table and uh, kind of raised everybody else's play. The Commanders are trading up from two to one in the 2024 draft to take Caleb Williams would, of course, not just be about him as a player, also would be about him as a person. What kind of a guy, what kind of a teammate is Caleb? Yeah, you know, I think he was one of those guys that is probably, because you've been so in the spotlight and coming over, there was a lot of hate when he left Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans very upset when Lincoln Riley left and Caleb Williams came with him. You know, he's done some stuff like painting his nails because his mom, you know, is in the nail business and people kind of gave him grief for that. There was reports about him wanting like equity in a team and, you know, none of that came from Caleb Williams. We weren't able to get, it didn't seem like any of that stuff was true, but it sort of like would follow along, you know, follow along with him. But if you just watch him, I mean, just even at the holiday bowl, when Miller Moss throws six touchdown passes and breaks the USC record, like no one was celebrating more than Caleb Williams with him on the sidelines. Like, he's just been, I think, a really good teammate and and someone that you want to have in your locker room and obviously a special talent. So I think, you know, you're hearing from the dad a little bit more and you're hearing from Lincoln Riley out in the, uh, he's done some, uh, you know, some media lately talking about, you know, it, it's not the stuff where he's like, hey, he doesn't, it's not an Eli Manning thing where he doesn't want to be with this team. Or, yeah, it'd probably be great if he got to go back to the DMV area where he's from. Uh, but I don't think he's someone behind the scenes demanding trade, you know, demanding a trade or anything like that. I feel like it's, you know, his dad is kind of running his camp and is, you know, really been businesslike about all this stuff. Uh, but just, you know, everyone you talk to in the locker room, they just really like him as a, as a teammate and they just really look up to him. They, just, they know how much he had on his shoulders and how he was able to handle it. So I think he had the respect of all the players and coaches at, at USC. And I think you'll probably see the same kind of thing when he goes on to the NFL. The last quarterback who Washington took with a top five pick in an NFL draft was Robert Griffin III with the number two overall pick in the 2012 draft. A sensational rookie season. Then things fell apart. A lot of reasons for why. But something that did come up with RG3 was RG2. Uh, His dad was an issue, or at least a perceived issue. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with a father who, you know, loves his son and stands up for his son. But regarding Caleb Williams' dad, is his involvement in his son's career an issue to any degree, or is this a good situation? It didn't seem like an issue from what we saw, but he's definitely someone that's involved, but we never saw that it was, I mean, it was mostly all, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff. I think you could have, it's, it's a whole different game now. Like he's playing his junior year of college and he's on national television commercials for Dr. Yeah. Pepper. And he's <laughs> yeah. on it. So having like some kind of manager, but I think his dad was, you know, really acting sort of in that role. I didn't see him as like a, helicopter dad but you know he's the starting quarterback and the Heisman Trophy winner so he probably didn't need to helicopter too much with Lincoln Riley but it didn't seem like that was that big of an issue but you know we'll, we'll see at the next level but I think he's kept his circle kind of small but his dad is definitely a big part of it. You brought up the uh, painting of the nails uh, uh, so as odd as it may sound this has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, Caleb Williams paints his nails. Uh, he has said 
that he does this as part of his connection with his mom. But he, in the painting of his nails, has had messages that essentially said F the opposing team. He, in the 2022 season, had messages that essentially were F Notre Dame, F UCLA, F Utah. Uh, What'd you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of it was just kind of working with his mom and the business, and uh, it didn't go over very well, (laughs) you could say. Um, And it's just one of those things. I think he's just, that's just kind of his personality that, you know, the next year, they kind of, you know, they got a lot of flack for that. So he sort of backed off and didn't have those kind of messages. But, you know, even, you know, after a loss, you know, him crying and people kind of giving him, uh, grief about that, but he's just such a competitive player. He hates losing. He does not want to lose at anything. And it's, it hurt him that they, that the team wasn't as good. And I think some of it was knowing that like he was basically doing all he can and it just wasn't enough and that the defense wasn't, you know, pulling their weight. So I, some of the stuff, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll get asked in the NFL about it and stuff, but I, I wouldn't look at it as some kind of character flaw or anything like that. Just kind of his uh, personality. But, I mean, the important thing is he's just a competitor. He just wants to win. And uh, wherever he goes, he's going to be in there. And, like, what do we need to do to be great? I think you look at, like, what Bryce Young was doing uh, at Carolina. It just, you know, I think that would kill him to be something like that. He would be striving to be like a C.J. Stroud where you go in and you get things energized, and you, you make things happen, you make good plays, and help your team win and, and make the playoff. I think that's what he's kind of focused on wherever he ends up in the NFL. Okay, good to hear that. Uh, I'm glad that you did mention the crying. Uh, Caleb Williams crying in his mother's arms after then number 20 USC's 52-42 home loss to then number 5 Washington this past November 4th. It was hard to know what to make of that. Was him crying in his mother's arms a sign of immaturity or more just a manifestation of how much he wants to win? It sounds like you think that the latter was the case. Yeah, I, I mean, it's being around him for the last couple of years, just, you didn't get any sense of uh, immaturity. I mean, I think everything he did, um, you know, the answers from every press conference, I mean, he would talk, you know, a couple of times a week to all of us. It just, you could tell when it was a loss, and there just weren't that many losses in the, the first year. And the, after there, when there was ones, I mean, it was tough on him. I mean, he was very, it was tough. There was just more losses, and they mounted. And I think he saw, you know, just, the opportunity it wasn't about like winning the Heisman again but really trying to elevate this team the next year and uh, it just wasn't happening I think it just it was very emotional for him but I, I to me that was more about being a competitor and, and just not wanting to lose more than anything than you know being immature or anything like that final question when you think about how Caleb Williams will do as an NFL quarterback do you have significant concerns or do you see him killing it you know, I think, I mean, anyone, I guess, could be a bust, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, no one's a surefire thing, but he's pretty darn close. I mean, just looking at, um, if, if, what are you going to think about? I mean, he still has, I think he has the size to be able to uh, compete and, and still be able to take off and run and do things in the NFL. The arm strength and the arm talent, uh, is, you know, you can see that. That's stuff that you can measure and you can, and you can watch some of the throws and, get that sort of the the it factor being able to just sense when things aren't going right and figure out a way it's like problem solving right like you're doing it on the fly when 
you know, 250 pound guys running at you trying to kill you. He just seems to have that where he can figure this out and whatever the play needs to, you know, happen, he can kind of make, make it happen. And having good vision too. I think that's an important aspect. It's hard to measure, but he just seems to be able to see the field right when he is scrambling. And sometimes your eyes get taken away and there's a guy wide open and you're missing him. He's, he's not missing those guys very often. So you just kind of look at all the different tools and, and what makes a guy successful. And he, he has all those. So I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't a, a big success uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, he just seems to have everything. And, uh, you know, anything can happen. But I would be shocked if he's not, uh, you know, one of those guys that's just like people talking about in the NFL. USC football insider Ryan Abraham, the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. Ryan, thank you and have a great weekend. My pleasure, Al. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, whatever the commanders do at quarterback this offseason, hopefully our team's QB1 moving forward is a QB1 who takes our team to what is happening this Sunday evening, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58, San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, this Sunday evening at 6.30. And Crab Sports is offering something really special for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. If you, with Super Bowl 58, bet a same-game parlay, and the parlay loses by just one leg, you will be refunded in free bets. Yes, you heard that right. Super Bowl 58, same game parlay. If you win, great, you win. But if you lose by just one leg, you are refunded in free bets. So for example, let's say that you bet the 49ers to win, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes to have at least two touchdown passes, and Niners running back Christian McCaffrey to score at least one touchdown. And let's say that the Niners win. Mahomes only has one touchdown pass, but McCaffrey does score a touchdown. You lose the parlay by one leg, but you are refunded in free bets. This is the greatness of Crab Sports. Visit crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play, and join Crab Sports with this promo code, GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. If you follow Washington, D.C. area sports, Crab Sports is tremendous. And know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500, and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to make money. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. So, crabsports.com or the Crab Sports app, promo code GALDI. And Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 years of age or older. So, uh, so much for the Wizards doing much on 
NBA trade deadline day. Uh, the NBA's 2024 trade deadline was on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and our tanking and rebuilding Wizards made just one trade. Uh, that was it. The Wizards traded 6'10 Daniel Gafford to the Dallas Mavericks for a 2024 first-round pick and 6'9 Rashawn Holmes. Uh, the Wizards, very interestingly, did not trade Tyus Jones or DeLon Wright, despite each guy being on an expiring contract. The Wizards did not trade Kyle Kuzma. I'll get to why shortly, but this trade of Daniel Gafford. So the Wizards do get back a first round pick. What is the more favorable of the Los Angeles Clippers 2024 first round pick and the Oklahoma City Thunders 2024 first round pick? As things stand, that would be the number 26 overall pick in the 2024 NBA draft. Uh, first round picks for rebuilding teams, of course, are good, very good. But Daniel Gafford is good. Uh, this season is just his age 25 season and the first season of a reported three-year $40.2 million contract extension that he signed all the way back on October 19th, 2021. Uh, Gafford, at the time of this trade, was number one among all qualified players in the NBA in true shooting percentage for this regular season at 707. Yes, number one. Uh, true shooting percentage is a version of shooting percentage that takes into account threes being worth more than twos and takes free throws into account. Gafford, to me, could have been viewed as a building block for the Wizards, but I do get the thinking from Monumental Basketball President Michael Winger and General Manager Will Dawkins. And that thinking is that by the time the Wizards are likely to be coming out of this rebuild, Gafford will be in his late 20s and will be exiting his physical prime and will be becoming more costly. And the Wizards are trying to build up a war chest of draft picks. So I understand why Gafford was traded. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is in his age 30 season. He reportedly has a $12.877 million player option for next season. But yeah, why weren't Tyus Jones and DeLon Wright, each of whom is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason, traded on Thursday. Well, I read to you from a friend of this podcast, Wizards insider Josh Robbins of The Athletic, in a piece that came out on Thursday night. Quote, Washington was unable to coax a first-round pick for Jones from potential suitors, a team source said, which is not a surprise. If you run through the rosters of the league's other 29 teams, only a small handful would slot Jones into their starting lineup. The contenders who might have coveted Jones wanted him in backup roles and were willing to only give up second round picks. The Wizards, on the other hand, are one of the few teams that can envision Jones, who will turn 28 in May, starting for them next season. Team executives value Jones's professionalism, leadership, and offensive skill enough that, as The Athletic reported last week, they will strongly consider re-signing him this summer in free agency. By not trading Jones, the Wizards will retain Jones's bird rights this offseason and would allow the Wizards to re-sign him even though they would be over the salary cap. Wizards executives regarded keeping Jones's bird rights and re-signing Jones as more useful than adding second round picks. In free agency, Washington can offer Jones something that few other teams will be able to offer a starting job. At first glance, keeping right 
31 seems more difficult to fathom given how he's likely to leave an unrestricted free agency this summer. But a team source said the potential trade packages offered for Wright were underwhelming. A late second round pick perhaps and would have required the Wizards to take on salary for the 2024-25 season. Adding salary for next season would have limited Washington's flexibility relative to the league's tax threshold. Wizards executives chose to keep their options open for the upcoming offseason. End quote. Uh, It's also true that the Wizards could re-sign Tyus Jones and DeLon Wright and eventually trade them. Uh, But on the surface, having two decent players in Jones and Wright, who the team could lose for nothing (laughs) this coming offseason, is uh, not ideal. But the Wizards do get a first-round pick in the 2024 draft, albeit a pick that is likely to be a late first-round pick. And Daniel Gafford's salary being shed uh, does open things up from a luxury tax perspective uh, for the Wizards to sign Corey Kispert, who's having a nice season, to a contract extension. Well, the Capitals enter Thursday night's game at the Florida Panthers on a five-game losing streak, uh, the team's longest losing streak of this NHL regular season. But this game for the Caps on Thursday night was the first game of their 14th Mentors trip. Uh, The Caps' Mentors trip is their annual road trip on which players and even coaches bring their dads, brothers, uncles, coaches, mentors of any kind. And the Caps traditionally have done well on these mentors trips. The Caps entered Thursday night 17-8-0 all-time in games on mentors trips. Uh, well, <laughs> make that 17-9, and uh, uh, not even the mentors can help the reeling caps right now. They fell to 22-20-7 in this NHL regular season with a 4-2 loss at the Florida Panthers on Thursday night. The caps for this regular season are next to last in the eight-team Metropolitan Division at 51 points and now are part of a three-way tie for last in the Eastern Conference in goal differential at minus 36. The Panthers are a good team. They have the second most points in the Eastern Conference, 68. And the Caps on Thursday night got bludgeoned in the puck possession battle at the Panthers. The Caps had just 23 shots on goal to the Panthers, 41, including over the final two periods having just 10 shots on goal to the Panthers, 28. The Caps per natural stat trick had just 39 five-on-five shot attempts to the Panthers' 70, including just seven five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Panthers' 21. Those numbers are brutal. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the cap starting goaltender for just the third time in 10 games. He played well, all things considered. I thought he stopped 37 of the 40 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped 14 of the 16 high danger shots on goal that he faced. He was tested a bunch. He stopped six of the seven medium danger shots on goal that he faced. He stopped all 16 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. The Caps went four of five on the penalty kill. You know, their first period actually wasn't so bad. The final two periods were bad. Uh, This was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night. 
I liked our first period a lot. And, you know, you tip your cap to one of the elite teams in the NHL. Okay, I've seen a lot of them over the last couple of years. They're one of the best teams in the league. So first period, loved from a competitiveness standpoint, from a work ethic, from our battle level, puck decisions. We were, each play, each time we got the puck, it was in the spot that it needed to be. So you're playing in a tight game against a good team. Now, the problem is you have to be able to sustain that. And that's where the level of pace of, of games and playing against these teams, it's, it's difficult for us to maintain that pace and be able to play at that level and at that speed for 60 minutes. And you, it catches up with us at certain points. And you saw it in the second period and then certainly in the third period for stretches where we just, we struggle to stay at that pace. And it's, it's fast. It's fast. It's guys are making plays quick. Um, so it, it just is unfortunate because I really did like our start and just weren't able to sustain that level of pace. Well, the Caps, two goals in this uh, 4-2 loss at the Panthers on Thursday night came from Alex Ovechkin and Anthony Mantha. Top line left wing Alex Ovechkin, he scored a power play goal 16-38 into the first period for his 11th goal of this regular season as the Caps went what a three on the power play. Ovi has gotten going. Uh, This is an encouraging development. Ovechkin now has scored a goal in each of the Caps' last three games and now has 13 points over the Caps' last 13 games. Five goals and eight assists. Andy on Thursday night finished with a team high tying three shots on goal and a team high tying five total shot attempts. Uh, third line right wing Anthony Mantha. He scored an even strength goal 14-03 into the second period for his 16th goal of this regular season, matching his most goals in an NHL regular season since the start of the 2019-2020 regular season. Next up for the Caps are two games this weekend with the two games coming against the two best teams in the NHL. Uh, yes, things are not getting any easier for our struggling Caps. They are at the Eastern Conference leading Boston Bruins Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And the Caps then are home to the Western Conference leading Vancouver Canucks Sunday afternoon at 1.30 in the Caps' usual Super Bowl Sunday afternoon home game. By the way, we on Thursday night actually had the Canucks at the Bruins and the Bruins beat the Canucks 4-0. So the Bruins and Canucks are tied atop the NHL for this regular season. Each team has 73 points in 51 games. And of course, Super Bowl Sunday, in addition to featuring the Caps versus the Canucks, also has the actual Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl 58, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada this Sunday evening at 6.30. A whole lot of opportunity to make money via Underdog Fantasy, which offers daily pick'em games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals and you win. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Uh, I have not one, not two, but three higher, lower plays for Super Bowl 58. First of all, (laughs) 
Underdog Fantasy is offering a virtual guaranteed winner, a higher lower total of combined passing and rushing yards for Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes of 0.5. Yes, 0.5. This is done essentially as a freebie. So take the freebie, take the free money, go higher on Patrick Mahomes having 0.5 combined passing and rushing yards. Uh, I also like the higher lower total for rushing yards for Niners quarterback Brock Purdy, 12.5. I had a lot of success going higher on rushing yardage totals for Commanders quarterback Sam Howell this season. Purdy is mobile higher than 12 and a half rushing yards is more than doable, even against the Chiefs' good defense. So I'm going higher on the Brock Purdy higher lower rushing yardage total of 12 and a half. And I like the higher lower total for receptions for Niners tight end George Kittle uh, for I'm going higher on that. So Patrick Mahomes higher than 0.5 combined passing and rushing yards. Brock Purdy higher than 12 and a half rushing yards and George Kittle higher than four receptions. And all of this is via Underdog Fantasy, which has been a great sponsor of this podcast throughout the NFL season. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and take advantage of the special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 760. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Monday show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have two games this weekend at the Eastern Conference leading Boston Bruins Saturday afternoon at 3.30 and home to the Western Conference leading Vancouver Canucks Sunday afternoon at 1.30. The Wizards have two games this weekend at the NBA leading Boston Celtics Friday night at 7.30 and home to the Philadelphia 76ers Saturday night at 7. And college basketball this weekend, Maryland is at Ohio State Saturday afternoon afternoon at 4. Georgetown is home to number one UConn Saturday at noon. Virginia is at Florida State Saturday night at 8. And Virginia Tech is at Notre Dame Saturday evening at 6. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. He can put up a stink and make it uncomfortable for Chicago. Where do they get to the point like, you know what? Fuck them. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.